Welcome to episode 189 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the new NRL season, new rules and closing the book on Cam Smith. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 189 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the People. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, round one of the NRL is upon us. Do you feel pumped up? Yes, I am pumped. I am excited, Dr. T. I'm ready to explode because... uh, (laughs) 2021 is here, and so is the NRL. And, uh, you know, we're all guns blazing. The focus is on the NRL. Is, uh, you know, it feels like there's nothing else to talk about except for rugby league and the NRL. Uh, surely there's no other off-field incident that we need to talk about now. Let's get back into the game, I think. What do you think, Dr. D? Well, that's right. There's absolutely nothing. I mean, not counting the destruction of the British monarchy uh, at the hands of Oprah Winfrey. But apart from oh. that... <laughs> let's right. let's, let's right. not talk about that because you know that's uh yeah that, that's going to be old news because you know once we hit round one that's it it's all going to be NRL wall to wall NRL in the news across the world but uh, look yeah we are pumped up there's there's uh there's certainly a lot to talk about <laughs> just as we go to uh, we go to record this we have uh, we've just learned some big news today and so uh, uh, yeah, yeah there's definitely a lot to talk about so. Look, well, I think I think the world is still in shock. I'm still in shock, and uh, and you know, is this Princess Die all over again for Cameron Smith? Well, Cam Smith. Well, I'll tell you what. Oh wait, hang on. I'm getting my wires confused here. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> look, yeah, look. Uh, we heard we heard the shocking news this morning, and we hope uh, Victorian Premier Dan- Daniel Andrews is all right. Uh, but look, Cam Smith is the other big news out of Victoria. He has finally, uh, it's its the will he, won't he retire question has finally been answered uh, in the affirmative. He will retire. In fact, he's retired, I believe, immediately. So there's no, wow. which, not, not the best time, I would say, for mm. anyone to sort of uh, decide just before the start of the new season uh, like literally days before, uh, you'd kind of think, w- w- was he training with the team up to this point? I mean, did he? Does how do you do that? How, do you just sort of train and then go? No, nope, I'm out. <laughs> you know, like surely you would have given your club a bit of a bit more. Uh, I don't it's know. Up, yeah. Yeah. So, in, and as a, as fans, you know, we, obviously there's there's uh, it's definitely taken up a lot of airtime uh, in terms of. Uh, the speculation, it's its certainly uh, sold a lot more papers having this speculation ongoing. Uh, I think the reality is everyone kind of knew where this was going. Uh, you know, we saw some signs earlier this month, I think, or, or last month that, um, you know, the Storm are kind of trying to transition to a new set of captains, etc. So I think we all saw the writing on the wall. It's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's just funny that it's come out the way it has. But um Look, we have got a, a big show lined up today, so let's just launch mm. into it. We're going to do our usual yeah, six go. tackles, and yes. uh, let's do it. So let's go to tackle number one. Here we go. All right, Tish, we're going to start. This is the start of the NRL season, of course. We've already had a couple of podcasts this year uh, to start our season, but we are now focused on the NRL and Tish, I guess the question is, do people know that the NRL's on? <laughs> you know, what has the NRL been doing to promote itself? You do you uh, did you manage to to Google it? Did you find something? Yeah, well, Doctor T, that's a very good question. That was uh, that was kind of my first thing. I kind of was thinking about. You know, we're on the eve of the NRL. I haven't seen an updated version of Simply the Best. Um, so I was thinking, is that going to be the theme this year? Because obviously, 
I, I think there was some controversy around last year's advert um, to the point where, uh, you know, I think uh, I think mid-season they had to drop it. So, um, so for 2021, you know, we're all looking forward to, you know, are they going to... Are they going to go back twenty years ago and pick out a uh, and pick out a a, uh, a irrelevant song um, and then re- you know try to redo it for you know the modern fan? Um, but yeah, look, you haven't really seen anything. And then uh, I did see a couple of ads during the weekend, but I, but I thought they were more like Channel Nine or Foxtel ads. Uh, but I went onto the website of the NRL and I actually found that they do actually have an ad campaign for twenty twenty one. But it's probably the most subtle one I've uh, that they've had in years. But basically, the campaign for 2021 is NRL Defy Impossible. Uh, so the NRL Defy mm. Impossible, amazing moments that feature in the 2021 ad campaign. So look, the NRL CEO uh, Andrew Addo two days ago, um, you know, said that the NRL defied the impossible when it returned to the field uh, last year, the very first sport to do that. Um, you know, on May 28th, and this year they want to really highlight that as part of that uh, sort of uh, campaign. So the new campaign, the new, the new sort of uh, the new sort of campaign is the NRL Defy Impossible. Uh, what the what it does is that the ads, um, you know, the ads are going to be like sort of features of memorable moments. And what actually happens is that they'll show a bit of play, then they'll actually freeze it, and then then they'll have like a little question, like they say, look. You know, can a uh, like there's a Josh Papali scene where it's like, you know, can a uh, can a front row forward catch a speedster? Impossible. And then they play it, and then you actually see, you know, uh, you know, you actually see the impossible being defied, and they actually do it. And I, <laughs> and I think they, yeah. So so there are some pretty good moments. I like the classical music undertone that they have in the background. It is a lot more modern. Um, but yeah, look, I'm not too sure. I don't think it really. Uh, I think the good thing about actually having a song is that you could, you know, when you when you sing the song, you think of rugby league, right? And I don't know if these type of ads really uh, target the heartstrings as much as what the uh, as uh, you know as much as what the you know having a music theme to the NRL. So, have you seen any of NRL Defy the Impossible, uh, Dr. T and? What are your thoughts about this sort of ad campaign? Uh, look, Tish, I have to plead ignorance on this one. I have to plead the fifth or whatever it is that the Americans say. I have no idea that even they had an ad. And to be honest, uh, I think that's a problem in, in itself. Yes. <laughs> given uh, given what we do and how passionate we are about the game, that it's not something that has has found me. It's something that you had to go find. And I think that's yeah. that's a problem. But look, uh, I'm just sort of having a quick look at the description of the ad campaign. And then I'll just quickly sort of, uh, maybe maybe I'll kind of share my thoughts about what I think about it in general. But I think, so the, in terms of the, the memorable moments, they, did, they do say they're going to have, uh, uh, like one of the key ads has four memorable moments. You did mention one of them, Papali's uh, chase down to ankle tap, um, Titans halfback, Jamal Fogarty. There's another moment which is featured, which is Dragon Center's Zach Lomax high flying leap to score against Canterbury. There's another one where the Bulldogs rookie Jacob Rilo's spectacular try in the corner against the Eels, and then Cowboys co-captain Michael Morgan's long range field goal against Brisbane, which is now of course worth two points under the new rules. And obviously, there's going to be other ads which highlight, um, you know, uh, I guess from each team where there was a, an a moment where that team or, or an individual. Did Defied the impossible, and so you know, obviously they they're taking the the tack that they're taking is highlight the game itself, highlight the spectacular highlight reels, highlight reel style moments that we know rugby league is renowned for. Now we say this all the time, Tish. You know, it's we talk about oh, that spectacular Blake Ferguson try and the 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 athleticism of this kind of try in the corner and the leap of, you know, whoever. Um, you name it. There's almost every game has one of those moments nowadays, and we are so blessed to see all this amazing athleticism and skill that we see in the game and including, you know, moments like Josh Papali kind of running faster than he, than he, you think he would run. Uh, things like that are really, uh, to me is why people keep coming back to this game and why we think it's the greatest game of all, because you would be hard pressed to find, you know, 
as many highlights highlights in uh, you know that you would find in just one round of rugby league in the NRL in particular in a whole season of most of the other kind of football codes that we we often uh, we often talk about as our competitors. So to me, this is actually uh, if you're thinking about how can the NRL promote itself in a way that it sets itself apart from its competition. It's really this. I mean, we, we talk about how people, um, you know, promote, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of YouTube videos we've talked about where you, you see Americans looking at, at uh, what they call rugby because <laughs> they have no idea this is rugby league and they just call it rugby. And they just, they just go mental when they see how amazing uh, some of these moments are in, in this game. And for us, it's just a regular thing. It's like, you know, Oh well, that was just uh, one game <laughs> on a weekend. Whereas you wouldn't, you'd be hard pressed to see those kinds of highlights on, you know, in in a Super Bowl or in a, you know, in a in a finals match uh, in in some other sports. So, um, so I think it's a it's actually a brilliant tactical move to focus on these real like these highlight real moments i think it's a great idea i don't know about the execution because i haven't seen the ad <laughs> so and and i'm not i'm a bit concerned about the fact that it hasn't kind of saturated the the marketing landscape as much as we would have uh, or the advertising sorry landscape as much as we would have liked but mm. i like the idea of it so i gotta say if i'm giving it you know how many how many tackles out of six i'm gonna give it maybe a four out of six possibly a five um, yep. If we had known about it beforehand, uh, I might have given it a six. But I really, really like the idea. And I want to get your thoughts, Tish, on whether you think this is the right kind of way that we can set ourselves apart in terms of, um, you know, advertising. What do you think? Well, look, it depends. Oh, look, I'm going to give it a two out of six. Uh, oh, no. But because, look, I'm just I'm just reading the verbiage as well, like which when they define the ads and – I noticed. I noticed that it's about uh, you know it's about ours. You know we're going to celebrate our players, the best athletes in the world who defy the impossible every week, and the tribalism of our fans. But there's no fans in any of these ads. Like it's all about the players, right? Yeah, and yeah. We we seen last year what a big impact uh, the pro, what a big impact not having fans at the ground actually does to the actual overall uh, viewing of the product. And I think. And I think that's the thing about like having like a song. Um, it kind of gets everybody, uh, you know, behind behind the one thing, and, and you don't really you don't really get that sort of community aspect of it, which is what I think people need. So, but look, the reason, but I still think it's got potential because these ads are you could break these ads up into little short ads that can be played on uh, social media sites like TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and so forth. Um, so I think they're a lot more, um, I suppose, flexible in these ads. It's not like yeah. you know, the NRL ads of like that go for 30 seconds to two minutes actually are too long for some of these platforms. So I think from that point of view, it makes sense because the reality is your audience is no longer just people who watch the game on TV. Your audience are going to be people who are watching it on their phones and on other devices. Um, so that is important. Uh, look, and I think that they've actually missed a real, uh, uh, a real uh, trick here, uh, because I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, on Amazon Prime they are doing a feature on how the AFL uh, was able to, uh, you know, keep the game running during the COVID period. And I'm thinking, how come the NRL doesn't have a documentary on Netflix <laughs> and on, yeah, and on Amazon and on these platforms? Like I think that if anything is going to be worth more i think that's more valuable as an advertisement like if you've got an advertisement budget i think i think it's much more smarter to be investing into into something like that as opposed to these ads so yeah i think the i think the nrl might be a bit behind the times but but look let's see how it goes i mean if viewership is up if uh you know if website traffic is up if if more people are watching the videos and then you know, then then maybe it is a positive. But uh, yeah, but at the moment, I, I I think it's too early to tell, unfortunately. Yeah, I I have to kind of slightly uh, just my final thoughts, a couple of thoughts on what you just said as a response. I have to kind of disagree. I think uh, I don't know. I think people are, are going to be watching um, 
uh, documentaries. <laughs> I think I think their money will be better better spent on a mass advertising campaign, plus mm. plus some kind of social media. Uh, you know, uh, I think doing things via social media. So I think what that one thing they should explore is something like, you know, get some people doing reaction videos on YouTube yes, to to that, watching. That- to watching rugby league and then use that in your next campaign next year. I reckon yeah. if you do it, that is a groundswell of, uh, you know, local kind of, you know, YouTube, uh, YouTube kind of focused a campaign. I think that would do wonders. That's, that's my comment on that. But I would have to say the other thing, uh, some ideas came to mind, Tish, uh, as you were talking about, you know, the song thing and, and look, I know you gave them two, two out of six tackles uh, in terms of the, uh, their, their execution of this strategy uh, this year. But I have to say, look, don't forget uh, before we had simply the best, we had what you get is what you see. And people have totally forgot that and <laughs> forgotten about yeah, that. Yeah. So you kind of do need, I think as an entree to this kind of way to market the game, I really think this is a really good seed of an idea and they just need to execute it better. I do agree though, that a song is a way to connect it and, and, and kind of, um, uh, you know, something that, that we almost need like a new anthem and a new one, but not necessarily a new, new one. What I mean is a, we need to just get a good kind of, and it's got to have the right vibe. So I'm going to propose something to you, Tish, and to everyone out there. I propose we do, uh, as as a as a song or a jingle that goes along with this uh, campaign, define the impossible. And I'm thinking, what's something that when you see one of these moments, you get a jolt. You when you see it, you go, wow, oh my god, that's unbelievable. What a what a play. And I think the perfect song that will fit this. So if you're listening, Andrew Abdo, NRL CEO, feel free to steal this idea. Uh, is Kickstart My Heart from Motley Crue. I'm hoping you're supportive of that because I not laughing at me because I think I think to have the you know oh yeah kick summer I think that would be a totally good way to connect you know it's a it's an energetic song you don't need much of it it's meme worthy you can do some very good things with it in social media it's short and sharp you know no one ever knows any of the lyrics in the verses they just know the chorus so really that's all you need for something like this it's simple and i think it's it's uh, it's about you know and also you could sort of uh, twist it a bit, a bit and go you know join the crew as in motley crew join the nrl crew that kind of thing yeah. so there you go there's a few things you could do with that so there you go that's my idea for the day it's a it's a good one to i think kick off uh, but yeah, like a look, let's put it out there to our listeners as well. If there's any other ideas that you guys want to share, uh, feel free to email us, let us know, or um, you know, find us on Twitter, on Facebook. Once we uh, we um, uh, yeah, advertise our podcast and and let us know what you think. So yeah, yeah. It, well, all, all I got to say is that the NRL is going to transition for from something my dad watches into something that I watch, right? Yeah. So I just want to—I just want them to use a song that was written in this century. <laughs> but I ask you for too much here. <laughs> well, you're just going to be getting a long line of uh, Justin Bieber songs. That's all. That's all I got to say. It's your choice, mate. It's yeah. your choice. But yeah, okay, fair enough. Look, uh, but look, I—I I think "Kickstart My Heart" is uh, transcends boundaries. But there you go. <laughs> All right, let's, All right, let's move on. We should move on. Yeah. Let's move on to tackle number two. Here we go. All right, so it's a new season, and as usual, the NRL wants to impose new rules. What are the new rules that are worthy of us talking about today, Tish? We've got, uh, you know, last year we had quite a few changes, obviously with COVID and uh, PVL coming in and changing things up pulling the rug from under us and starting some new rules up. But what are the key ones we need to know about this year? Okay, well, first one, I think this is kind of the biggest one, but two points will be allocated for field goals that are outside the 40-metre line. So uh, not just the one-point field goal anymore. If you kick it outside the 40, you get two points. Um, the second rule, again, is that uh, six agains will be ruled for 10-metre infringements. So that's for offside infringements. Uh, penalties for teams if they leave the scrum before the referee calls break. So it will be an automatic mm-hmm. penalty. Um, play the ball restarts after the ball is kicked 
you know, into touch. Uh, so, yeah, so that is uh, replacing a scrum. It's just going to be available now. Oh, so uh, that's a key one because that means that's a very kind of uh, shifty way of starting to get rid of the scrum, isn't it? It is. It is. And then the bunker will now review replays after an on-field referee award to try, uh, but a conversion intent will not be uh, uh, allowed until it gets the green light. Um, injured players will be interchanged if a trainer asks for a player to be stopped. Um, when a captain's challenge is inconclusive, a team will not be docked for an unsuccessful attempt. Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Yeah, and a handover will be ordered when a player does not make a genuine attempt to play the ball correctly with their foot. Um, so, look, my question is, I feel like <laughs> all these rules just give greater power to the referee, really. Yeah, I'm and worried about this. I just this. think, has the referee gotten too much power in the game? Are they basically... Is the ref- whistle basically determining the game? Because... I feel like some of these changes really uh, are really overstepping the mark. Um, yeah, the, look, the yeah. field goal, look, to be honest, uh, look, even the field goal, the, the two points, uh, look, fair enough, they get it. But I've got a question. I mean, look, if you score a try and you play the ball outside the 40, shouldn't you get an extra point as well? Like, isn't the objective to score tries rather than kick field goals? Like, I think, mm. um, like, one doesn't make sense without the other. Um, and and look, with all the other rules in the general play rules, I think I've heard Benji Marshall talk about how uh, in the trials, the average play of the ball was uh, around three seconds, and the quickest game last year, the average play of the ball speed was four seconds. So the game is actually a second faster every tackle, which I don't know if that's going to necessarily give you those... Uh, those really close encounters at the end of the game, I, I feel like it's going to... Uh, I think there's going to be blowouts one side or the other. That's that's what I think is the danger with a lot of these rules. But that's my thoughts. What about your thoughts? Yeah, look, just quickly, I agree. I think a lot of them, are, there's just too much too much leeway and too much interpretation of, of from the referee's perspective. You know, how how will a referee ultimately... Is that the, is that the arbiter of when a captain's challenge is inconclusive? Or, you know, like, how, how do you, like, aren't most of those things inconclusive? That's why there's a captain's challenge. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I find that really odd. But I think the other thing is, as what you mentioned earlier, is that, you know, we're trying to incentivize scoring tries because that's what people are there to see. That's what the athleticism, we're not there to see a field goal-a-thon. If we wanted to do that, we'd watch Rugby Union, which is boring in comparison, and we all know it. So why are we trying to turn ourselves into, you know, by awarding two points for field goals that are outside of the 40-meter line? And to be honest, how many of those occurred last year at all? Probably one? Yeah. One? Is that the one that's in the ad? Yeah. So, so just for one highlight, we decide to change a rule. Why not do a rule that Josh Papali is allowed to give you give you have to give Josh Papali a head start in a ra- running race? Like, I mean, honestly, if we are changing rules because of one one case in one year, which it's very rare. I very rarely do we see field goals from outside of forty minutes. In fact, I don't remember seeing. In, I can't even think or count in in one hand how many I've seen in my entire lifetime in rugby league and why are we trying to incentivize it then why are we trying to just say we're happy that we don't see those field goals because we want them to score goal uh, score tries we want we want that kind of Benji Marshall style you know desperation and and Broncos style playing um, you know, throwing the ball around and, and th- throwing caution to the wind. In this case, we're not throwing caution to the wind. We're, we're bloody kicking goals from 40 metres out. That's not what we want. So I think I totally disagree with that. Um, look, and some of the other ones, I think, uh, you know, look, overall, I think the, the other concern I have is what you mentioned as well, is it's not just too much powder of the referees. It's uh, It's also too likely to uh, lead to, um, uh, you know, unnecessary, uh, I guess, uh, so, uh, what, what's the word, uh, unnecessarily punishing 
say, the defensive team. So this six-again rule is kind of getting on my nerves a little bit because, you know, for something that's a minor infringement, all of a sudden that team has to now defend another entire set of six. Yeah. I would think the, the a better way would be to just, uh, you know, maybe penalise, maybe just give them one extra tackle. All right, you get one more. And so, so think about it this way. If you're a player, you know, you're not really thinking about counting how many tackles you're up to. And so to constantly sort of go, ding, six again. Now the player's got to start counting again. Oh, I've got now six more to go. Instead, why not do it so that the referee says, okay, infringement, they get another tackle. And if they were on the fourth tackle, uh, it's fourth tackle. It's like a replay of the fourth tackle. So to me, as a referee, I would think it would be easier instead of going, I'll start from zero, to just start from where you were and just say, oh, that was already the fourth tackle. I'll continue and replay the fourth tackle in my mind. And the only thing the player needs to hear is when the referee says fifth tackle, <laughs> which yeah. means, which is the only the only signal you should get as a player that, oh, get ready for the kick or get ready for something because this is the, their last tackle. That's all you need to care about. So this whole six again business with multiple ways that you can get there is a big problem, I think. And I think it will lead to, uh, you know, de- defensive teams getting worn out for minor infringements. And I think that's against the spirit of the game, dare I say. So anyway, those are my thoughts about that. I think we just need to get rid of the six again and rethink it. Um it's too late to do it now. I think we should have done it in the off season, and I think we kind of got we got sprung with these uh, rules, which kind of bothers me as well. Uh, we should have had time to kind of debate it over the off season and trial it properly in the trials and see how it goes. But um, yeah, final words, th- uh, final thoughts there, Tish, before we move on. Okay. Well, look, I know uh, the the origins of these rules come from the survey that they did at l- late last year. Um, but look, one of the things that you notice about all these rules is that it, it actually stops the amount of breaks that are that are in the game. Um, now, as a fan, you probably like get frustrated when there are breaks, but uh, you've got to keep in mind that what happens when there is a break is that we go to an ad, which pays for the product. Um, so um, <laughs> I kind of feel that it's almost like uh, the NRL is actually taking money out of its own bank account by 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 speeding it up too much i think i think we still need to do adverts like like i feel like there's not going to be any time for any ads and you know that could be great to watch as a viewer but then reality is it's it's not good for a game in terms of a, a revenue stream and other you know other uh entities trying to buy uh time for rugby league but that's yeah we'll see how they go i, th- I think after a few rounds if the scores are blowing out the NRL might have to make some more rule changes to undo these ones. I'm sure I'm sure a, a quick email to Andrew Abdo or PVL will change things quick smart but we'll see. Um, all right let's move on to tackle number three here we go. All right so Tish another thing that the NRL has done is uh, uh, well it's it's done something off the field it's actually pushed back the deadline for clubs to finalize their roster their top 30 roster uh, from June 30 to August 1st. Tish, take us through what they are proposing to do and what impact that's going to have. Okay, well, firstly, Dr. T, no proposal. It's actually already done. Oh, it's already uh, done, so yep. <laughs> so the NRL has, has, yeah, no consultation from the NRL. It's made rostering system more flexible by giving clubs uh, until August to fill out their squads, allowing more players to be picked for first grade. So basically it means that um, before the deadline was June 30, so after June 30, no players can sort of switch clubs mid-season. All contracts have to be in. Obviously, June 30 is the deadline for the financial year in Australia, so it kind of makes sense as well from an accounting and payroll point of view. Uh, but they've actually pushed that back up to uh, August 30th, well, 1st of August, which is, uh, no, which is like an, another whole month. Uh, so, look, uh, this is apparently something that the Rugby League Players Association um, wanted to institute last year, and it's one of their bargaining chips, which they've gotten through. Uh, it is, on itself, I think it actually causes a lot of issues because now what you've got, you've got a situation in is that uh, I think it's round 20 is when we'll hit August 1st. So that means there's only six rounds left before the end of the season. <laughs> 
and you could still have players jumping ship yeah. at that time. So, you know, if you're a team, like say, for example, you're like the Broncos or the Raiders, uh, sorry, the Broncos or, you know, last year, we just take last year's example, Broncos and Cowboys and a few teams like that, they couldn't make it. So all of a sudden, you could get a Jamal Fogarty, an Anthony Milford, a, uh, you know, an Origin Proc in Payne House. You could actually pick up these players. Melbourne Storm can buy these players, right, uh, for like the rest of the season if they wanted to. Um, and then they could be on a loan deal before they go back. So I don't know if it's going to make the – I think it's actually going to make the uh, the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams spread out a little bit more. But look, on a related issue, and I, and I kind of put these two tackles together, is is there's also a situation around Joseph Sawali, which a lot of people have been hearing about. But look, the NRL uh, signed a young player, you know, from the Sydney Roosters named Joseph Sawali, who at the moment is uh, 17, but they're trying to get an exemption so he could actually suit up early for the Roosters. Now, he turns 18 on August 1st. So that means that this year, at least in round 20, he'll be able to play for the Roosters. So I just wonder, I'm putting these two together thinking, hang on, why has the NRL suddenly changed this rule this year? And is it to accommodate the Roosters getting their 17-year-old sensation um, to be able to play as soon as he turns 18? Uh, Dr. T, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, you know this, this uh, change in the player transfer and also on the Sawali situation? Yeah, um, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, look, they've got rules for a reason. And so they, I, I think, you know, on the one hand, I think they they probably should just stick to the rules and just say, look, you know, um, if he can't play before 18, then, uh, you know, it's likely that the Roosters will have made the finals this year anyway. So if he can't play until after August 1, um, which I think so. It sounds like he will, he will still make the cutoff because it's on that day that's the final cutoff, and that's when that's he turns right. eighteen. So he will still make it. So I guess the thing is, you know, is it a risk for them to start him and debut him at that late stage of the season, um, knowing that uh, you know he, you know, he's going to be making his debut when it's the business end of the season, and it's going to be a, the, the toughest kind of uh, entry for him. Um, look, I think possibly possibly uh, they just need to, in, in his situation, uh, they just need to do that. If they want to gamble on him this year, uh, do it. Do it, you know, do it then. Um, I don't, I'm not for bending the rules uh, just to suit one player because, it's just going to happen more and more once you kind of bend the rules for him. Others will start talking about, oh, what about us? Um, you know, why did the Roosters get fair, tra- you know, unfair treatment, that kind of thing? And it'll just snowball. So I think stick to the rules and then they've just got to sort out, are they going to let him play this year or wait uh, and and blood him next year or, or whatever they want to do? Um, I, honestly, I don't think the NRL should budge on this. I think uh, if they set the rules for a reason, and uh, they should just wait. And look, it's not like he won't get to play this year. If they really want him to play, he can play. And who knows? It may be a great story for him coming in at the end of the season and and setting the world on fire in the, in the final series. It might be a great story. So uh, you know, that's another way to look at it. Is that we don't know what's going to play out at that time. Uh, Tish, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, look, I am the same. I know I've heard the whole. If he's young enough, he you know he's good. Oh, if he's good enough, he's he's old enough, sort of thing. Yeah, I've heard that statement, and uh, you know that was by Benji and it was by Fittler and a few other players who actually got to debut before they're eighteen. But they put these rules in, um, you know, from an R or I think it's because responsible, uh, you know, player welfare in terms of you know being exposed to uh, gambling and alcoholism and things like that, which have been a big problem in the game as well. So I feel like. Uh, you know, the player welfare does have to take a, a step over ability, um, you know, and I think that's important. And then on one hand, you know, the Roosters are being praised for their treatment of Boyd Cordner and how they're sort of taking care of his head injury. But at the same point, they're getting encouraged also to sort of uh, not uh, take in, uh, uh, you know, Suwali's, uh, you know, duty of care. 
like they're kind of been it's kind of like the opposite ends of both things and they kind of can raise on both ends even though they're kind of contradicting each, uh, themselves so yeah yeah so look I, th- I yeah look i don't think you should play and i think yeah and i, I don't like the uh, i don't like the uh the other the transfer window changing to august uh first i feel like they are accommodating the roosters in this um, but I think overall, it, just, it, it doesn't make sense to push it so far into the season. I think, I think, you know, June 30th is around about, uh, you know, halfway in the season. I think after that, I, I don't think we should have any more changes to club rosters after that, um, unless there's like a, a special injury case. But, but yeah, I think it's too open for exploitation. Yeah, absolutely. All right, speaking of exploiting things, let's move to tackle number four. All right, that was a bit of a a weird uh, segue, but (laughs) (laughs) this has to do with the big news that we talked about, and now I'm not talking about the British monarchy crumbling before our eyes at the hands of the Queen, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, I'm talking about Cameron Smith finally deciding to retire. Well, at least that's one part of what we're going to talk about. so let's just focus on that first, and then uh, and then I'll let you, Tish. I know there's there's a broader story here that that in terms of other Melbourne Storm players, but look, finally Cam Smith has decided to uh, put us all out of our misery and announce his retirement. Something that we all knew was going to happen eventually. Uh, I'm a bit shocked at the uh, the timing. I think it's kind of um, it it reeks of uh, you know attention grabbing a little bit. You know, a couple of days out from the start of the, well, one day out from the start of the 2021 season. Uh, I don't think this was the best time to announce it. I think it should have been done way earlier to give, you know, to give it the proper kind of attention um, and also to not dis- detract from the attention that we want on the start of the NRL season. So, again, uh, who knows? We are talking about earlier, you know, not knowing what the ad campaign is. Well, maybe this is something to do with it. The fact that the <laughs> there's wall-to-wall media on the fact that Cam Smith has announced his retirement and it potentially is detracted from the rest of the NRL has tried to do to actually promote the start of the 2021 season. So, look, my thoughts are, look, there, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, uh, press and media and, and talking about, you know, he's one of the greatest players in, of all time and of our generation, etc. Um, I think that's something that that's up for debate, <laughs> uh, in, in my opinion. But I think he has definitely been a winner uh, for the Melbourne Storm. He's been central to their um, success over the last, you know, 15 years or so. And so uh, credit where it's due. I think we, we need to look at him as... Um, as as I guess the main stable uh, kind of um, influence there that has got them to the success that they have uh, within the system that they've got under Craig Bellamy. And so uh, full marks to him. He's obviously also brought that success to the Queensland state of origin level and also to Australia and the kangaroos level. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to be grateful for. Uh, yeah. seeing he's had a long career, long successful career. Um, you know, my personal highlight, uh, you know, or, or one thing that, that sort of tells me about how influential he was, was, uh, I think it was the 2008 grand final. This is a long time ago, but, uh, you, you'll remember that uh, I think that was the uh, the time of the chicken wing tackle, which was outlawed, and he was banned from the grand final. Uh, obviously, they were defending champions of Storm, having beaten uh, Manly the year before, and they went into 2008, you know, wondering what would happen without a Cameron Smith in the Melbourne Storm lineup, and they got smashed. I think it was, was it 38 nil or 40 nil or something? In, in the grand final by Manly. And so, um, you know, and that was, I think, Steve Menzies' last game as well. So, you know, that to me sort of highlighted how important he was and how integral he was to the Melbourne Storm lineup. So, uh, yeah, what about you, Tish? What are your thoughts on the timing, the retirement, and also any particular highlights that you want to talk about? Yeah, look, if I go for the timing, I don't think the timing is uh, is great. I think two weeks before the season starts, which apparently is when he he actually made the decision, um, you know, would be fair enough because you know it's it's not a season launch yet, and I think the maybe even the 
after the first week had concluded even announcing it, I think the season's gotten underway. You know, I feel like even that's better timing. But to announce it just on the day before the season starts, I don't know if that's the right move. But regardless, I think for everybody, you know, I think it's kind of been a mystery which has kind of now been uh, put to bed. Um, so, you know, and, and that's kind of like a bit of the quirkiness, or the mysteriousness or the... Um, you know, uh, the mystery behind Cameron Smith. So putting that aside, look, in terms of a player, look, you know, he has broken many records and that's for a reason. You know, he's been a part of some really great teams and he's not only been a part of it, he's he's actually led these teams, a lot of it. So I think, look, I don't think you can take away anything from his leadership ability because obviously, you know, he's able to, to be a part of winning teams and, and be a, a key voice in those players position. So I think from that point of view, he's been a phenomenal player. Obviously, the most capped player in NRL history is also like obviously a, a huge achievement as well. Um, all those premierships, all those origin victories, um, all those victories from Australia. Look, you could never take that away from him. Um, and as far as a player, you know, a lot of players, you know, a lot of the th- things you hear about when they talk about Cameron Smith is that, you know, he, yeah, he sort of, he, he is doing 40, 50 tackles during a game. And he's also, you know, players seem to play well around him as well. So I think, you know, a lot of the moments that, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, Cameron Smith, what's the big hype about him? You know, he's just not doing, like, he doesn't feel like he's doing much. But then you do notice that uh, the people around him seem to play fantastic. <laughs> so I think he does have that sort of influence within a team. And, and I think we've got to give credit for that. And and look, I think um, what defines me is there, there was a match where uh, I, I think he was playing for Australia. Where no, he was definitely playing for Australia. It was against New Zealand, and um, I, I don't think I think it was the year before the World Cup. And it was the Tri Nations final, and I think there was like ten minutes to go, and New Zealand were up by two tries, and then out of nowhere, a forty twenty get kicked by Cameron Smith, mm. and just basically turns the game. And like that is one moment in probably many games that you hear that involve Cameron Smith, where he will come up with something um, just at the right timing that could switch the game around. And, you know, he's probably not a player that you think about on a highlight reel, but he's definitely a player that you think about on a uh, on a, on a a sort of a, a victory reel, you know. Um, the, key, the key moments that turn a game type player. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of big moment players, and I think a lot of these big moment players need to transition to a player more like Cameron Smith, who is like a winning moment uh, player who can set up a moment that will actually uh, help decide the, the victory rather than just the spectacular moment. I think that's probably been the legacy. So, yeah, well done to, to Cameron Smith. And uh, he was honoured today with a trophy at the front of, uh, you know, out of Double Amy Park Stadium, Amy Park Stadium. Um, and he was also joined by another one of his Melbourne Storm trio in Billy Slater. So Billy Slater as well has got a a, a statue, so Slater's statue, and uh, and Smith they both get one. And um, you know the third part of that trio, Cooper Croc. Well, he's been involved in his own little mess um, this week, where it's been revealed that he's been consulting the halves. For, well, he's he's uh, yeah for two clubs, the Roosters and the Storm. So you know, uh, and and Cooper Cronk has come out um, aggressively. Both clubs are coming out aggressively defending Cooper Cronk, um, dismissing suggestions that there's a conflict of interest, and that he holds consultancy roles on both payrolls. Um, and both clubs know about it, and they don't have any issue. They don't feel it's a conflict of interest that he is sort of mentoring. You know, so he's mentoring the the storm halves and he's mentoring the Roosters halves at the same time. So, but obviously, there are people in the media who've raised whether this is actually a fair deal or not, whether he should be allowed to do this or not. Um, there is a salary cap for coaches in the NRL, um, so it is interesting how uh, there is a split cost association to this as well. <laughs> um, I think which is kind of interesting. So. Yeah, so Cooper Cronk as well, like, you know, and look, the other thing that's interesting about Cooper Cronk is that he didn't get a statue um, as well. So, you know, so Slater and Smith got one down in Melbourne, but uh, poor Cooper not getting one. And uh, But yet, 
out of out of the trio, he's the only one that's uh, trusted to actually consult their current rosters. So, uh, Doctor T, what do you make of uh, Cooper's uh, Cooper's sort of uh, cronkiness as well? Look, uh, you look for a while. It feels like Cooper's been on the outer uh, at the Melbourne Storm. Probably some of it's had a lot to do with Cameron Smith's involvement. Uh, I'm a bit shocked that yeah. he wouldn't be given a statue. Why wouldn't he be given one before Billy Slater? I mean, that to me is just really shocking. But look, I think the only solution here is for Cooper Cronk and his wife to uh, score an interview with Oprah Winfrey and tell all. Uh, you need to explain to us, Cooper, what is going on in the Melbourne storm? You know, what have they been hiding from us? What kind of a, you know, dodgy institution is it to 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 totally leave him on the outer to spread these vicious double agent rumors uh, as he tries to make a living as a, a consultant to both the Storm and the Roosters. I'm, I'm outraged that his, uh, his integrity should be questioned. So I, I reckon the only way out is uh, I want to hear it, uh, you know, in fact, let's, let's not, no, it's, it's not an Oprah Winfrey level kind of discussion. I think it needs to be, it needs to be more local. It needs to be run by uh, by Dave Hughes. It's got to be a Hughesy's got a problem. It's got to be part of the Hughesy's got a problem. Hughesy, we have a problem show. Mm. And uh, featuring Cooper Cronk, I think that's what needs to happen. So, look, yeah, in, in all seriousness, I think uh, I, I get why there's a conflict of interest issue that needs to kind of um, be brought to bear. And uh, I, I just don't know if you're – if you're a consultant for two opposing teams, um, what th- that's kind of not what conf- conflict of interest means, though, because you're you're kind of helping players individually. As long as you're not there to kind of uh, you know formally be part of uh, uh, the the coaching staff in terms of you know knowing all the ins and outs and whatever. I don't know whether that is a problem because okay. it's, I don't know. I think it, maybe, maybe the line should be drawn at, you know, you're allowed to coach individual players, but not be part of officially the coaching staff. Maybe, maybe that's okay. one way to do it. Maybe they need to rethink how do you, how do you define consultancy in that mm. respect? How do you define that? Maybe it needs to be a totally independent kind of thing. And uh, maybe that will kind of appease people, but but yeah, it looks some so, interesting so you things. Think, uh, so you think doctors shouldn't be allowed to perform two open heart surgeries at once? Uh, well, no, because that would mean that <laughs> two patients would die instead of uh, <laughs> the one. I think they need to focus on the one at a time, Tish, is what I'm what? saying. Uh, okay, okay. No, no, no. I think, uh, I, look, I don't know if there's a, what, what's a comparable way of looking at this. I, I haven't really given much thought to it, but. Uh, look, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like, well, this isn't like, you know, put it this way. This isn't like he, and maybe this is one way that the NRL needs to really clearly define it. This isn't like he is on the board of both Coca-Cola and Pepsi, mm-hmm. <laughs> where, which are obviously competitors in, in the market. This is, this is akin to both Coca-Cola and Pepsi going to a third party like a Deloitte and saying, can you advise us on how we can improve our XYZ, whatever it is, function within our organization. And yeah. and that third party, Cooper Cronk Incorporated, says, okay, pay me this much and I will uh, give you the advice you need, Coke, and I will give you the advice you need, Pepsi. And uh, that's it. So, to me, the difference there is they're an independent consultant. They're not privy to the inner workings of both organisations. Therefore, they're not there to kind of provide information from one to another. Having said that, in all cases, you're going to have uh, those independent consultants sign certain agreements to, to promise that they won't share information that they glean from Coca-Cola to Pepsi or vice versa. So that's all that needs to happen here is that there just needs to be a clear, a clear boundary around, yeah, you can work with both. It's got to be like this though. And you've got to make sure that you promise not to, you know, disclose information that you shouldn't from one team to another, because then that will compromise the nature of the game. So, um, 
but yeah, I don't know. If, has that gone to? Is that a better analogy? I think than the open heart surgery. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think so too. I think I think so too. I think so too. I think the only time where it falls into problems is that say he's he's mentoring, um, you know, uh, you know, he's mentoring uh, Cameron Munster, and Cameron Munster is like unhappy in Melbourne and he's looking for a club. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. He's it like a bit of a. Yeah. yeah. So look, there's I, a bit of insider trading going on there that we have to stop, is what you're saying. Potentially. Look, I don't know. Look, obviously, if look, both clubs have said they're happy with it. And I think um, the role at Melbourne's Bomb is corporate ambassador. Um, so he's not officially supposed to be training anybody, but uh, oh, he's okay. been. But there's been photos uh, on the Melbourne Storm social media website showing him running training sessions. So that's that's the kind of the whole thing. So look, look, I think I think at Cooper he does say he's a man of integrity. I think he knows his boundaries. And as you're right, look, look, a psychologist can tra- treat two patients at once, right? And I think mentorship is kind of the same sort of thing. You know, sort of you know, helping uh, young halves out. And you know, if, you know, Cooper Cronk was a great player and he had his head on straight. So I think that's a great, great sort of great sort of thing and uh yeah i think that's kind of where where it's at so it's just uh yeah obviously it might have been a, a bit uh blown out way out of uh proportion a little bit but look it's uh yeah i think i think we could trust cooper on this he's uh yeah. he seems to be a trustworthy soul so uh if I, yeah, if I'm to, my my final comment on this tissue this would be now now that you got me thinking it will be another analogy would be dr phil is t- treating both Donald Trump and Melania Trump separately. <laughs> so you yeah. know he's got to he's got to stand by his word that he's not going to divulge things, vice versa. You know, like yeah. It, and 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 look, I think the NRL is actually to blame for the situation because here we have a retired player in Cooper Cronk trying to hold down two jobs at once. <laughs> um, you know, there should be more done for players. After their NRL season, and maybe that's why Cameron Smith had a hard, tough time figuring out what he's going to do now. Maybe that's the reason. Should it? Should he be? Uh, is he going to be searching for the COVID job seeker program? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Who maybe, knows? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to some international news in tackle number five. Here we go. All right, so tackle number five. We have some cool international news. We've got Trent Robertson and Laurent Frazenus. I've never heard of him. But anyway, to lead France in the next World Cup. Uh, Tish, Trent Robertson is a great, great coach. And obviously, I think he did work with them. Uh, was he in charge of the uh, the Catalans club at some point? Yeah, he right? was. Um, yeah, so probably oh, it would have been a while ago, I think probably before he joined the Roosters. So uh, I think probably 10 years ago. So look, 10 years has passed since he was at the Perpignan Club and here he is back again, this time being appointed as France's new director of rugby, rugby league. Uh, and so, yeah, and Frasinus is uh, the um, – was French a successor coach. to Robinson in the mm. Catalans Dragons. Catalans, yeah. Yeah, in 2013. So, yep, he was actually – so, you know, you've got the two former coaches of the one club uh, in the UK Super League that comes from France, and uh, I think this is a good move, and I think I think this is uh, possibly going to rocket France up a little bit in, in the ratings because to have someone like – Trent Robertson there. He is a very well-seasoned now, much more than he was back then. Um, look how much he's achieved in the last eight years or so uh, at the Roosters. And, um, you know, I, I think this will be a really good thing and really the shot in the arm that the French uh, national team needs. Uh, they haven't really been doing much. It's all been about South Pacific, uh, the the resurgence of, uh, well, the, the, you know, resurgence of Tonga, the possible resurgence of uh, Samoa this year as well um, with with a lot of people predicting that Samoa is going to do a Tonga in the next World Cup. And, uh, you know, no one's talking about the European teams. So this is actually possibly going to lead to something good for France. And look, out of all the coaches that we've seen uh, at the helm of, you know, Tier 2 and Tier 3 nations, uh, this would probably be 
one of the biggest uh, kind of signings. Yeah. signings. And this is not a, uh, you know, a former, <laughs> a former first grader, um, you know, who has sort of uh, decided to try out the Cook Islands kind of coaching. This is a, a legit NRL winning coach, uh, yeah. you know, Going to a team that has not done much on the international scene for a number of decades, but has enough of a relationship with some of the players that he would have coached, you know, 10 years ago or so. So there's a bit of history there. This isn't a totally transplanted new coach. This isn't like Bennett being dropped into um, an area which he doesn't really understand or a culture which he was never embedded in. This is something of a yeah, and it's a great signing, I would say. So, Tish, what do you think? What is this? Am I am I uh, hyperbolizing it too much? If that's a word, am I hyping no, no, no. this up too much? Because uh, I just genuinely think that this is a really exciting for France. Yeah. Okay. Look, I think with this with this announcement, what does France get? Well, firstly, they get a super league, a current super league coach. Uh, as their coach, right? And if you look at all the uh, international teams, uh, even Australia doesn't have an NRL coach, right? Um, you know, New Zealand does, which is, you know, I'm talk- going through the top tier nations. Um, you know, Tonga do- has a Super League coach. Um, and I think England have got a, got, well, England have got Wayne Bennett last time. So I don't know if that's still the case, but um, there you go. So, so straight away, but, you know, the, the you know, the Samoas, the Fijis, Papua New Guinea, they don't, they don't actually have an NRL coach at their helm. They have NRL assistant coaches and former players as their as their coaches. So straight away, um, it actually puts a bit to another, just from that coaching point of view. On top of that, you've got a top-tier NRL coach um, as the head of football. Um, and you've got a coach that uh, I think has, um, you know, you saw the Roosters uh, debut Remy Carsey a few years ago. Um, you know, they've got an Englishman currently still in their squad, I think, or he's gone back, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, um, you know, Trent Robinson hasn't been shy of actually trialling out Super League players in uh, the Roosters lineup. And what, you know, his position at the Roosters, you know, may allow him to bring, you know, a handful of um, young French players um, to Australia to sort of develop their game over here to potentially become NRL first graders. And, you know, if you sort of go through the rankings of the of the rugby league, uh, you know, well, you know, teams, you'll notice that uh, the strong, the more NRL slash Super League players are in the squad, the higher that nation is ranked. So I think for France, um, just having that pathway now through Trent Robinson, allowing players to actually play in the NRL is going to mean that, um, they could field a team in the World Cup, probably not as early as the next World Cup, but certainly after that World Cup, where they'll have, you know, a half, a dozen, to a dozen maybe, of NRL players by that stage. And if they do that, then they're going to jump high in their rankings because that is the excitement around the South Pacific nations is the number of NRL um, first graders actually, that actually play for their lineups. So I think this is a great move from France because I think it will allow them to to have that pathway to allow their their good players to develop in Australia and in the Super League and really uh, get tested week in week out amongst the best players and uh, and that is what's actually going to grow the sport um, and yeah and I think that will actually grow the sport in terms of viewership in France as well because obviously you know hearing about a you know, it sort of kind of happens in Australia, like you know, when there's a there's a sport that we're not really too fond of, but all of a sudden we hear that somebody's become a world champion in that sport and they're Australian, we all get behind it, you know. And I think a similar sort of thing will happen with, like, say for instance, you know, um, like a Remy Casti plays for the Roosters, wins a Clive Hill Church Clive Hill Medal, <laughs> right? Something like that. That is surely going to make headlines in France, right? So. Um, I think I think that's the kind of thing that the uh, French rugby league need at the moment. But uh, yeah, I think I think great news all around for well for, for rugby league in France and rugby league in general. Yep, looking forward to a great World Cup with the uh, competitive France. Absolutely. All right, final tackle, tackle six. Here we go. 
round one tips for the NRL in 2021. All right, as usual, quick fire initial thoughts. Melbourne Storm versus South Sydney Rabbitohs. I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. I think they will uh, they they show some good form in the trial matches. So looking forward to seeing them continue that. What do you think, Tish? Storm never won a never lost a round one, and Rabbitohs have never beaten the Storm in Melbourne. Oh, well, you're just using statistics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm using intuition, mate. Let's see how it goes. Knights versus Bulldogs. Uh, again, I have no idea what the history is of this, but I'm thinking that the Knights are going to uh, give the Bulldogs a bit of a reality check. They've had a lot of positive uh, moves and, you know, new coach, etc. Um, a lot of good signings, but I, I get the feeling that the Knights will uh, will win this one. Um, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs because they've been preparing for this game for like two years now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Broncos versus Eels. Um, I Obviously, I'm tipping the Eels. I think they will start the season yeah. like they did last year. Very well. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to I'm going to tip the Eels because I feel like uh, the Broncos have made some positive changes, but um, the Eels you haven't heard anything, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> That's right. Um, Warriors versus Titans. Uh, this one could go either way, but I'm thinking the Warriors. Uh, I think they had a good positive. Uh, you know, there were some good positive vibes at the end of the last season, even though they didn't make the finals. And I think they, uh, yeah, potentially they will. Um, They'll start the season off very well against the Titans, who also had a good end to the last season as well. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Titans, but this one could go either way. I say Titans in a tight one. Ah, nice. The Battle of the Birds. Roosters versus Seagulls. The Battle of the Birds and the Beaches. Sydney Roosters based in Bondi, obviously against Manly Warringah Seagulls. I'm tipping the Roosters. Uh, What about you, Tish? Well, they're back together again, um, Daly Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran, but not enough. I think the Roosters <laughs> have got away. It's been a while since that was a formidable combination anyway, so yeah. I don't think people should expect too much. But we'll, you never yeah. know. We could be seeing a resurgence of uh, well, well, it's in- Foran. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, he's home, and now he, then he was away, and now he's home again, so... Coming in. away, man. <laughs> if only there was a summer base Eagles. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's right. All right. Penrith Panthers up against the North Queensland Cowboys. I can't go past the Panthers on this one. Yeah, look, Panthers for mine as well. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously grand finals last year, and uh, I think this is a good first uh, matchup for them. All right. Canberra Raiders versus West Tigers. Um I'm look. I'm tipping great things from the Tigers this year, but I think this initial part of the season will be uh, dominated by teams like the Raiders. So some of the teams that went went well last year. So I think the Raiders will win this one, but I don't think it will be a blowout. I think it'll be a tight one. Yeah. Well, recently the Canberra Milk jersey has been voted the greatest jersey of all time, and I think that's going to distract the Raiders team on the weekend. <laughs> so I'm going for the West Tigers to out milk the Raiders. Wow, there you go. Well, we now have uh, – well, I don't know why they would do a local derby in round one, but they've done it. The Dragons versus the Sharks in round one. I'm hoping they have a, a repeat later in the season, but this one is a tough one because I think the Sharks, a lot of team people are expecting this team to go well this year, and I, I kind of – I'm not sure whether they're going to start off very well. I think they've got – some uh, some challenges there. They've got an aging lineup, and I don't think they set the world on fire last year. At the same time, the Dragons are going to struggle this year, but I think they'll start okay, and I think they'll win this one. What about you, Tish? I'm going to tip the Sharks. Um, John Morris is being, is the coach most likely to lose his job first this season, even though he's made the top eight in the last two seasons. <laughs> um <laughs> And he's had a tough time of doing it. And I think the positive sign is that he hasn't picked all of his, like, uh, Fafita is uh, is not in the lineup. So I feel like um, I feel like if John Morris, um, I think the pressure, he's going to rise. I feel like he's going to rise. 
Well, I think the Dragons are, I mean, we saw how horrible they were in the Charity Shield. I think they're too much off the pace to keep this competitive. So Sharks for mine. All right. And that's a wrap uh, for the tips. And that's a wrap for this podcast. Don't forget, everyone, uh, you can email us at rorepublic at gmail.com if you want to send us your comments or ideas for uh, the NRL's advertising campaign this year. Check us out on our website, www.rlrepublic.com. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and obviously, you can download these podcasts on iTunes or via our website. So please leave a comment, download our podcast, and uh, yeah, give us some good ratings, etc. So thank you very much, Tish, for um, a great first uh <laughs> first uh you know prediction predictions for round one and the kick in starting the nrl season this year um over to you to wrap this one up well thank you dr t and thank you for listening everyone but look that's all the time that we have for this episode of the rugby league republic we are your hosts tish and dr t join us next time on the rugby league republic bye for now